seen my wretched state before the world's foundation. Mindful of His mercy's great plan for my salvation, He turned to me a Father's heart. He did not choose the easy part, but gave His dearest treasure to His beloved Son. It's time to have compassion. Go, bridegroom of my crown, bring to all salvation. Sin and sorrow set them free, slay bitter death for them that they may live with you The text for the sermon this day is taken from a variety of scripture, and we're also going to be using this hymn 556, so I encourage you to keep your hymnal open, as we'll also be singing the last five verses after the sermon. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Christians, one and all, Rejoice. Those are the opening words of this hymn. They're words that we, an encouragement for us to rejoice, to celebrate. Today is Confirmation Sunday. Brooke and Logan, you have today as a day to celebrate, to rejoice. But the thing is, this is not a charge just to rejoice on this day. But it's a call to rejoice every day of your life. And I know that isn't easy. Meanwhile, we do have days where it's beautiful and sunny and the grass is green. We have days where it is stormy, it is windy, and the world is less than easy. There are many trials and tribulations that befall us in this world. And so we look at this second and third verse. It says, Fast bound in Satan's chains I lay. Death brooded darkly darkly o'er me. Sin was my torment night and day. In sin my mother bore me. Luther, who's writing this hymn, is echoing the sentiments of of David in the psalm when he says, In sin my mother conceived me. But daily deeper still I fell. My life became a living hell. So firmly sin possessed me. My own good works all came to naught. No grace or merit gaining. Free will against God's judgment fought. Dead to all good remaining. My fears increased till sheer despair left only death to be my share. The pangs of hell I suffered. That summarizes our life in this world. 
When you were born, you were, fa- you were born bound by the chains of Satan. Every single one of us were born bound to him. We are born sinful. We are sinful at conception. The reason we hear of the story of Adam and Eve throughout our lives is not just that we may look at Adam and Eve as an example story. We read it because they are our first parents. And you, Logan and Brooke, even you have the same grandparents. So you actually, you guys, you share similar genetics. And you inherited certain things from your grandparents and your parents. But even, but you, like all of us, inherited from our first parents sin. From Adam and Eve. They brought it into the world. They passed it on down to their first children, Cain, who murdered their other son, Abel. And it passes all the way down. This last week, you read your, con- your confession of faith paper. And I re- asked for you to think about the Ten Commandments and how we struggle with it. it is the all- it's the easiest way to see how the sinful nature is always at work in you. We are always struggling with it. Even a newborn infant is in sin. It's hard for us to see it because while a newborn infant can't do that much harm because they're not strong, physically strong, but all a child really thinks about is themselves. I need to be fed, I need to wake up, whatever. We are born in that sin. And that sin, there's no, that sin is the thing that leads us to this living hell that Luther speaks of. It is the reason why every single one of us, from the minute we are conceived, are dying. One thing that is a very real reality that every one of us is, that most of us are aware of at this point in of our lives, is that death is always around us, ever persistent, never knowing when it's going to strike. This is the consequence of sin. And so in our sinful nature, we desire to try to work our way out of it. We think that we can, we can defeat death all on our own. And so much of what we do in this life is trying to keep the game going just a little bit longer. And somehow we think that we can do good enough to appease God's wrath. But the reality is, first off, is that your works do not cancel out sin. For example, if I were to go out today and I would just randomly shoot someone, it doesn't matter how many nice things I did, it would not cancel out the fact that I shot that person. Good work, good things do not cancel out bad deeds. 
And that comes down to the smallest ones, even the littlest of white lies. All of it is a consequence, is a part of our sin, and we cannot undo it. And what's more is the works that we do are like filthy rags. Even they are tainted with sin. Even the good works we do, in some degree, we are doing them to serve ourselves. So verse 4, it says, But God had seen my wretched state before the world's foundation, and mindful of his mercies great, he planned for my salvation. He turned to me a father's heart. He did not choose the easy part, but gave his dearest treasure. See, Jesus, our Lord, looked in our pitiful state. And though we thought that we, though we tried and tried to save ourselves and we can't, our Father looked down. And what did he do? He sent He didn't send just an average Joe Schmo. He didn't send just anyone or anything. He sent his dearest treasure, his own beloved son, Jesus. He sent him into this world to be born of a virgin in order that he might become your brother. Think about this way. If any of you have ever read any fairy tales or anything like that when you were a kid, reading about, you know, at least Cinderella or something like that, and read about the kings and the queens, imagine living in a world like that, and all of a sudden the news came down from the king that you are now declared to be a brother. It is now declared that the prince is your brother. What would that mean? That means that you are also his brother or sister. That means you are a prince or princess. That you are an heir of the kingdom of that king. See, Jesus was sent into human flesh. He entered into human flesh in order to be rejected, abandoned, Betrayed, denied, arrested, and nailed to the cross, suffer a bloody death that he may win you. That he may make you his. That you may be an heir of paradise. See, when you were baptized, confirmation is primarily about your baptism. When you were baptized, those shackles, those chains that you were born into, born into slavery to the devil with mere water and the word of God, those shackles were destroyed. And you were made a child of paradise. Confirmation, you hear that word? Confirm. You are confirming your baptism. Because you see, with the right time, when you were powerless, 
when all of you were powerless to your own salvation. God sent his only son to die for you that you may have eternal life. The gospel lesson is very well reflected in verses 8 and 9 of this hymn. He says, Though he will shed my precious blood, me of my life bereaving, all this I suffer for your good. Be steadfast and believing. Life will from death the victory win. My innocence shall bear your sin, and you are blessed forever. Now this is, for, this is where that, that gospel lesson really shows. And pointing forward to Ascension Day, which we celebrate on May 5th, and Pentecost, which we celebrate ten days later. Now to my Father I depart, from earth to heaven ascending, and heavenly wisdom to impart, the Holy Spirit sending. In trouble he will comfort you, and teach you always to be true, and into truth shall guide you. In the, day, in the celebration of the church year, there are two days that stand above every other day of the year. Common belief by people is that the two most popular days are Christmas and Easter. But in reality, it's Easter slash Good Friday. Good Friday and Easter are really one big thing. But the other day is actually Pentecost. Because without Pentecost, the blessings of the death and resurrection do not come. We of our own accord do not seek after God. We are enemies of God by nature. We hate God in our sinful nature. For that reason, the Holy Spirit was sent. That's why I wear red on confirmation. That's why you're going to be wearing a red scarves. That's why it says right there, red, what does it say? Come Holy Spirit. Because it is by the Holy Spirit that you can confess that Jesus is Lord. It is by the Holy Spirit who came to you in your baptism, who comes to you every time you hear God's word who comes to you when you receive the Lord's Supper. It is by the Holy Spirit that you are made a Christian. It is by the Holy Spirit that you are made a child of paradise. It is by the Holy Spirit that we are not destined for eternal death, but for eternal life. See, you're going to be confirmed. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. It's not your accomplishment. The Holy Spirit is the one who did all the work. Without the Holy Spirit, this building wouldn't even stand. None of us would be here. But it is by the work of the Holy Spirit that you have life, you have salvation, you have eternity. So going back to that first verse, dear Christians, one and all, rejoice with exaltation springing, and with united heart and voice, and holy rapture singing. Do you know what that word rapture means? It's a word that kind of has gotten hijacked a little bit, and a lot of times people read rapture and they think about the end times. But rapture actually means an exceedingly holy joy. It's a joy that 
There is only one that is very, very unique. It's not the joy, even the... Now, there are many joys in our lives. For instance, the joy of a child being born. The joy of a first kiss. The joy of getting married. But this is even greater than that, and that's saying something. This is the joy of after seeing that child dead, alive again. This is the joy of after seeing your parents, or grandparents, or siblings, or a wife, or a husband, or whoever it may be, though once dead, and seeing them physically alive. It is when you yourself will die and will rise physically. That is what it means to be holy, rapture singing. Proclaim the wonders God has done. So you don't go from this church and just leave it alone. Say, ah, all right, I've done my Jesus stuff and I'm done for life. Confirmation is not graduation. Confirmation, you're going you're gonna to confess that you would rather face death than deny your faith. You are going to promise to receive the Lord's Supper regularly. So in other words, you'll remain in God's Word. And when you walk from this place, proclaim what Jesus has done that others may join you in a salvation that never ends. So proclaim the wonders God has done, how his right arm, the victory won, what price our ransom cost him. That's why you wear white robes right now, because that is a preview of what's coming for you. You are entering into eternity you have eternal life because of your baptism, which you confirm this day, and you receive the Lord's Supper for the first time, anybody you love that has ever died, for the first time you're joining with a host arrayed in white, and you are united with them through Jesus. To him be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith and to life everlasting. Amen. We continue by singing verses 6 through 10. <laughs>